Hello, dear friends, and welcome to this week's New World Kirtan podcast. It's Friday, January 25th, 2013. I'm your host, Kitsy Stern, and I produce this podcast as an act of loving service to our Kirtan community. It's also an audio journal of my spiritual journey through the practice of singing and playing Kirtan. I had planned a different podcast for this week, but life changed as it often does. Last Friday evening, the Kirtan community lost a bright light. Our dear friend Shamdas left his body in a remote part of Goa, India. He had dinner and he sang Kirtan with his friends, got on a motorcycle with his beloved partner, and was in a traffic accident a few minutes later. He was one of the deep hearts of this community, a generous and peaceful spirit, a teacher who devoted his life to Seva. I've been listening to his voice all day and um, alternately crying and just being inspired. It's hard to believe he's gone. His Maha Mantra chant at the closing ceremony of Bhakti Fest last year was a powerful spiritual experience for me and for many others. And I've ended this week's set with that chant. It changed us down to ourselves. It's hard to know we won't hear him sing it again. The Kirtan community will be gathering in Denver next month for the Chant Fest. Ah, it will feel so good to plug into that bhakti energy during this long, cold winter. If you're a New World Kirtan listener, you'll receive a 20% discount on your ticket if you enter NWK in all caps at the checkout. There are so many things to do at the festival. When I interviewed Jayutal, he talked about the kids' workshop he's doing there. It sounded like fun. We're creating a page at the New World Kirtan website for the Denver Chant Fest, and the interviews with Jai, Dave Stringer, and Cece White will be there, as will a link to take you to the Denver Chant Fest site to register. Some artists need to be seen to be fully appreciated, and I think Sham Das fits that category. This week's show is my very small effort to convey who he was through his, his music and his teachings. It was an honor to know you, Sham Das. You will be missed. Namaste.
Je suis Voilà Prabhu
the discussion that I heard earlier in the afternoon was really about different types of darshan, the way that you see the world. And darshan also means to see, to actually have darshan of. Now, because as Bob says, I am from the Shuddha Dwait, the pure non-dual tradition that sees everything as everything else. But there still is a concept of a beloved, because it's very hard to sing if everything is identical. There has to be some variances within the singularity, between the adwait, between the non-dualness of everything, there has to be a cool duel. <laughs> if there is no cool duel, there is no budget. So for the time being, we must believe in there is a cool duel. You can change your philosophy after the session. <laughs> Because really, darshan is specific to every individual. The way that I interpret world may be slightly different from, let's say, Tenzin or anyone else. Because of the unique individuality of every single, I know this is a stretch, of every atma, of every uh, soul, I guess. How do you translate atma? Every being. So what I wanted to do before we get too carried away in the mood of the Kirtan, I wanted to recite something from the Upanishads, to give Upanishadic wisdom, because the foundations of devotion are wisdom. If you do not have a wisdom view, you will not have a proper view of the thing that you are trying to adore. It's very simple. My Sanskrit Guruji tells me of the story that there was a tabla player, and he played above a woman who was very annoyed by the sound of this man's constant practice. But then one day someone went to her and said, you know, this man, in order to see this man play, you have to spend hundreds of rupees in order to get a ticket to hear him play. And you hear him all the time. This man's a very famous player. So her view of him and his sound changed because she had wisdom of him. She realized his, his sarup, or his form, as an exalted, well-paid, famous <laughs> tabla wallet that she got to for free. <clears throat> so that was kind of a wisdom thing, kind of on a lower level, <laughs> a higher level. <clears throat> so the wisdom element is so that, because you first love because you adore or you respect, that's the first thing. First you respect something, and then you kind of honor it. And then as the relationship matures, then you, know, you obviously know the thing, and then you eventually, you might fall in love. You only fall in love with something that you really honor and have a good understanding of, unless it's a neurotic relationship. <laughs> okay? And we won't go there. Because <clears throat> we are dealing with what is called pramana. Pramans are the sources of spiritual information that we gather from, whether it be Buddhist or in the tradition that I study in, Vedic. So Vedic sources would be Bhagavad Gita or Upanishads or Bhagavad. These are the utterances of enlightened beings. So we receive them and we study their words as opposed to the writings of neurotic people. Because if you study neurotic people, you will become neurotic, in most cases. 
And if you study enlightened beings, there's a good chance it might rub off. The pure non-dual sees the world as a sacred place, identical with the abode of liberation, and realized as such when the, what is called in Sanskrit kyati, or cognition, is refined, so that you see the thing as it is. And then when you see the thing as it is, you are very amazed by the whole manifestation. And that creates a respect which turns into a love that will hopefully manifest into an obsession so that you can think of nothing else and you don't have to practice anymore because you're totally absorbed in the thing. Kind of like falling in love in the world. Now, if that doesn't happen, you do not get your money back. <laughs> because then you have to revert to a practice until you get tired enough of it that you realize that we have it as our innate nature, this what is called ananda, or bliss. So it's a very delicate subject. But in the uh, Taitriya, it says that Brahman, the Supreme, made Brahman everywhere and became everything. Whatever there is, it is only that single thing, that it has become that, and all is this. That everything is identical with everything else. And although Brahman is singular, he was, here we're speaking of he, but it could be she or even it, Bohosham Prajayate. Ikoham Bohosham Prajayate. I was one, and I decided to become many. Because as one, it was sort of boring. There was not much to do, being just God up there all alone, no one to talk to, no one to have lunch with. Right? No one to enjoy the spring or the summer. No deep powder skiing. Right? No menlas. You know. So, Brahman decided that would become everything. Bohusham. Because everything is identical with everything else. It goes through cycles, as, as Bob is saying, of manifestation and then unmanifestation. And the manifestation is identical to the unmanifestation, meaning that manifestation has unmanifestation concealed in it. And unmanifestation has manifestation concealed in it. And therefore, there is no hierarchy between the two. And what plays on within and without unmanifestation and manifestation is a concept that is called the lila, and that is a divine play. And they say, that this play is beyond the threefold gunas of Sattvic, Thomas, and Rajas, basically translated as purity, passion, and ignorance. So it has nothing to do with material objects, yet can arise in a material sphere. So that's why in this particular lineage which I studied, there is great respect given to the world itself, because it is, it is, it, it is here in the world that a being is able to become enlightened. So therefore, it's a very sacred place. So as opposed to trying to get out of it, one is trying to find his or her particular position within it. And that is why I sing, okay? Because the singing about it creates a remembrance. This is not of something that was necessarily in the past, but is also very present. And the recitation of sacred mantra, now I heard that there was a lot of recitation today of mantra, 
Mantra, man is mind heart, but we don't have a proper word for it in English. Intra, rakshati ititra, what is protective of your mind and heart, which brings the mind and heart, the wisdom and the action, the inner and the outer cognitions, the balance between you know, faith, compassion, wisdom, humility, strength, all those things that we need, but we need in the proper balance. All those things arise when the mind and heart are in balance with each other. Most importantly, um, when that understanding, it becomes from, it goes from um, a wisdom level to love, where one is no longer trying to figure it out, one is then just experiencing it. What is called in Sanskrit, anubhav, direct experience. So recitation, singing of mantra is a very speedy way to get into a good mood. Basically, we're talking about good mood because if you got anxiety, you can't practice either Hinduism or Buddhism or anyism, right? Because anxiety is just really it's obstructive. So we just sing our hearts out with sacred sound and with melody and nice beat, and that creates what is called kirtan. Kirtan means to praise, kirti, which is fame also means that what we should, we should praise what is worthy of praising. If we are going to honor something, let us make sure that what we are honoring is uttam, is very good, because you get what you worship, basically. So if you can set your sights very high with wisdom and vivek, discrimination, if you can have a non-dual mind and experience a little bit of cool dual, right, and have some good association along the way, the blessings of saints, or some direct inner realization, wherever you can get it, then the non-dual and the dual and all of the isms, they sort of disappear and one goes into a state of cognition, which is called bhakti. In honor of um, Krishna's birthday, which is on Wednesday, it's sort, of, it's sort of odd that what is birthless would actually appear. But that's part of the whole thing is that it's a, it's a collection of contradictions. If you think that you could figure it out and make it all logical, you have many lifetimes of thought ahead of you. It's not. It is what is called Viruddha Dharma Ashrai in Sanskrit. Viruddha means what is contrary and Ashrai means what supports it. So we as individuals have a difficult time supporting things that are extremely opposite, but that's due to our own limitations, and those are, I think, necessary. So we should maybe worship the abode of contradictions while becoming uncomplicated.
nighttime is a good time for budging because there's not much else going on. Budging is actually, you can do it all the time, but you know, this sort of singing congregational, what it is is that after the day of worship and activities, we sit back and we reflect upon our eternal natures and how we are thankful for all that has been received. We try to foster and increase our humility if we think that we've attained something during the day. It is a time of what is called in Sanskrit ashraya, refuge. What is also called prapatti or sharnagati. This is not a refuge or something that you take because a gun is pointing at you. This is a refuge that you're lucky to find. There is no sin if you don't find this refuge. You just don't find it. Krishna says it. Hey, just leave everything. Leave all their dharmas. Your worldly dharmas. Your your self-motivated dharmas. Your drama dramas leave them all they don't really serve you anyways and mame come how about coming over here try it try living on this side sharanam everyone is looking for the sharanam that's what's wonderful about you know all the great masters, teachers, acharyas of India, they all kind of start, if they write something, they first, they bow their head. They don't claim that they are original, or that they, have, they are the only ones who have discovered this. They always feel that they are part of a larger community that has come down. And therefore, they feel thankful for being able to join the party. Namanam atirektam. What besides naman, besides bowing, can you really do well? I mean, you can do other things well, but it's when you give up your sense of doership, that's when you really do them well. Because then, if you simply do them well, then you reflect afterwards that I have done it well, and there you go, out of the moment, into something else, into a past memory that wasn't even totally true. Think about that. It's ridiculous. So, you know, I try to spend time in good association. Sometimes it's with sacred texts. This is really good for me. Satsang and chanting like this fulfills my own dharma. You know, if something is within me and if I don't express it, it doesn't grow. It's true of everyone. You have inner things, and those inner things, they have to have an outward expression. 
The outward expression then has to have an inward corresponding reality. And those two things, they nourish each other, our outward reality and our inward state of awareness. It is when our outward reality and our inward worlds do not match that things seem rather strange. Strange in what sense? Is that there is no proper rus. The rusnispati, the development of elixir, atma, soulful bliss, doesn't arise because the environment and the conditions are not right. It's somewhat Ayurvedic in a certain way. That rus arises when there is balance. If you want balance for us. So the inward reality and the outward reality, that's all we got. It's what is called in Sringar Rasa, in Sringar Shastra, the teachings on love. One is an inward experience that is called separation. It's really an intense inward union. And the other one is called union because it has cognition with your senses. So when your senses touch, outwardly what is identical to what is inwardly, then you live in a state where your russes match and they nourish each other. And that's what it's about. It's about nourishment and increasement of devotion. What has been called bhakti vardhani. Tyagat shravana kirtanat. The increasement of bhakti is from tyagat is from renunciation of what is unrelated and by listening. Because when you renounce what is unrelated, then you have a lot of free time to listen to what is related. Tiagat, Shravana, and then Kirtanat. So after you have renounced what didn't serve you anyways, then your ears opened, your mind opened, and it flooded the heart and mind to an extent that one then broke out into what is called kirtan. Tiagat, shravana kirtanat. That is the remedy for the increasement of bhav, devotion, in one's life. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Krishna Krishna Hare 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 Rama Hare 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 Hare